Hello, everyone. This is Tom Uren. I'm here with the Gruck for another Between Two Nerds discussion. G'day, Gruck. How are you? Uh, good day, Tom. I'm good. Looking forward to today's discussion. So back in September of last year, we spoke about how Ukraine could actually make use of its IT army. And I guess to summarize, we thought at the time that there's a potential resource there, mm-hmm. but it's hard to make use of because for anything really important, you're reluctant to just tell some random internet stranger <laughs> what your plans are. So it becomes quite difficult. Yeah, you're not going to go into a telegram group of 300,000 people and be like, okay, you know, next Thursday, 9 a.m. is the big offense. We're going to need a lot of eyes on this area that we're sort of, we're black on right now. We don't know what's going on. This is a high priority. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But it seems like it's time to revisit that. The war has been going on for like, obviously way too long. We spoke last week about how Russia had evolved its attacks on electricity networks. And there have been a few stories recently that I've been just really curious about. Mm -hmm. And both of these stories, the claim is that the Ukrainian government was, uh, and I'll use air quotes, involved. And um, (laughs) the first one (laughs) is that Ukraine security services, so this is in the record, Ukraine security services involved in the hack of Russia's largest private bank. I'm thinking very much of that meme of like the the 12 guys standing around one guy in a hole digging. I think those 12 guys, (laughs) SBU is involved. (laughs) Yeah. So the the background to this hack is two groups of pro-Ukrainian hackers, Kiborg and NLB, in this article, hacked into Alpha Bank and claimed to obtain data of more than 30 million customers, names, dates of births, yada, yada, yada. Hackers released some of the data online, including information about the Russian-Israeli billionaire owner, Mikhail Friedman, and his son, a pro-Russian blogger, Artemy Lebedev, <laughs> and Russian rappers, <laughs> Timati and Vesta. Um, so the article says that a Ukraine uh, security service source said that they were, again, air quotes, involved in the operation. Now, my thought was probably they've just had a look at the data afterwards and perhaps said, here's some interesting data that it might be worth leaking. I don't know. That was my guess. Or they they might have even said, here, you can leak everything else, but we're going to be exploiting this separately. Don't leak this. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's possible. I. I think you're right in that their involvement was probably very much after the fact rather than directing it, simply because I don't think the SBU would choose a bank as a target. I think that they're probably a lot more mission-focused. Yeah. Right? They would they would want something that's sort of more tangibly applicable to the things that they're doing right now. Yeah. And so at the time, and this was in late October, it was reported, I was like, wow, this is interesting. They're actually saying that they're involved, but I don't really know what to make of it. So more recently, just this week, again in the record, the same reporter, Darina Antoniuk, so she's a Ukrainian in Kyiv, she wrote that Ukraine claims cyber operation against Russian aviation agency. Oh, yes, yes, yes. This is a sort of big one. That So the GUR actually put this on their website. They, they actually announced it. 
The GUR? Yeah, the military intelligence of Ukraine is the GUR. <laughs> right, okay, right, right. Because they just like to be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and so Ukraine's Defense Intelligence Directorate claimed it carried out a successful cyber operation against Russian government civil aviation agency, also known as Rosaviatsia. I'll just call it the Russian Aviation Agency from now on. Federal Aviation Transport Agency, FATA, I believe is the, the acronym. Okay, so the Defense Intelligence of Ukraine informs that as the result of a successful complex special operation in cyberspace, right, they've they've stolen a bunch of documents, and I I like that they uh, they don't say our successful <laughs> they, they right. as the result of a, a a successful operation that took place that we were aware of or involved in knew about afterwards <laughs> so i like i think there's a lot to talk about with this one yeah yeah and one of the things is that they take those documents and they've actually released screenshots and said the the Russian aviation sector is on the verge of collapse. So what's interesting to me is that they're both operations that are, in a sense, are they hack and leak operations? I guess they kind of are, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, technically, I think you're right. And the other thing is that neither of them, well, this one, like the first one, I wouldn't have thought is a priority intelligence requirement. Right. From a Ukrainian military point of view, the civilian aviation is not a high priority for the military. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's nice if they're having problems because they're the enemy, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't help us to know that. It's Yeah, the man in the trench is not going to be overjoyed one way or the other on that one. I think. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm just thinking about, you know, we've got two incidents, which are mm-hmm. kind of hack and leak. I'm not convinced that they spent any of their own government resources on these operations, or minimal, maybe I should say. Uh, Yeah. Here is my pure speculation on this one, is I I think that there were external groups that were probably saying something along the lines of, here's what we have access to, what should we do with it? Mm -hmm. Right? And then they didn't go like, oh, that's great, give it to us, we want access to the civil aviation (laughs) ministry, that's going to be a game changer. They went, well, what do they have? Like, if you get data for us, we will look at it. How about that? So, like, I think there was collaboration, and I think that's a huge improvement from what we had last year, where there was, mm-hmm. you know, very much not. So, I think there's probably some resources in a, a liaison. Someone is tasked with interfacing with these groups, and then I think once they'd handed the data over, there was probably an analysis. My guess is that they didn't put a huge team on it. I, like, I, I don't think that happened, but I think that they had people who looked over it and who tried to figure out, was there something that we can use operationally? Like, is there something immediately useful? And if not, is there something we can use strategically to sort of communicate what's going on to our allies? Yeah. So this one in particular, the Russian aviation sector one, the GRU page about it has uh, a list of 10 points, which are basically Mm -hmm. all saying the Russian aviation sector is having a problem. It's, so, it's on the brink of collapse. Stay the course. We're almost there. The light is at the end of the tunnel. The sanctions are working. Don't don't be discouraged. I mean, that's the yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying they're wrong. 
but you know it, that's it's very clear that they've gone through this stuff and they've pulled out yes the narratives that exist within this bureaucratic paperwork i mean like let's be honest you're looking at 18 months or two years worth of documents about valves and seals and replacing tires but like <laughs> bureaucratic <laughs> yes. paperwork it's not <laughs> it's not I the mean, most I riveting think, stuff well i think it's interesting if you're Ukraine, the narrative almost writes itself in that here's the story I want to tell, and the documents just give you the numbers that you slot into <laughs> into <laughs> right. place to fill out the you know yeah, the number absolutely. of aircraft malfunctions in this amount of time, that sort of thing. Right. And so it's yeah, something it, you could probably it, it's, sort of brainstorm. It quantifies beforehand. and yeah, it quantifies what before would have been like. Look, the sanctions must be limiting their ability to repair yeah. aircraft. By how much? One percent, ten percent? What's that year over year? Now they can say that, and so and, and you don't even have to get it perfectly right. Like you can do a a moderately competent, very quick analysis job, and just get numbers that are about right, and off you go. Ballpark. That's good enough like, for the. What's Russia going to do? Come out and be like, "That's not true. It was thirty-four incidents, not thirty-six. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> and we've got the documents to prove it. <laughs> And so I can understand the, the logic behind it. We get these documents, we can bolster this narrative. It's a narrative that's good for us. Right. I think in a way that's all you can do with it. Because last year in March, the same ministry was hacked. And whoever did it then- The Russian ministry? The, the same ministry, the, the civilian aviation uh, ministry, yep. was hacked. And- 65 terabytes of data, like everything that they had <laughs> was deleted. And what's genius is in the press release, they're sort of like, why didn't you have backups? And they said, well, because it was too much, like it was too expensive. So the budget was cut. <laughs> so there are no backups. And as a result, right, they, they worked on paper, they used yep. postage, they, they used the mail, like before email, the other one, the, yep. the, the actual mail. <laughs> and so I, I think this is a, a good compare and contrast actually about sort of the effectiveness of cyber operations from a strategic level, right? On the one hand, you've got this espionage operation that was able to provide numbers for communicating a message that they wanted to send out. And on the other hand, you've got this destructive Russian-style attack of like, we'll destroy yep. everything, we'll wipe it all. And between the two, like one of them has actually had some impact, right? And it wasn't the one that made it very frustrating to work there for a couple of months, right? <laughs> you know? And so you think that this, we'll call it an operation, I guess, this yeah. hack and leak is more impactful than wiping <laughs> 65 terabytes. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? I'd, I'd even go so far as to say whoever wiped those 65 terabytes ended up limiting the amount of information that could be hacked and leaked yeah. at this future uh, yeah. date. Yeah. Right? That, so that's what I was thinking as well. Mm -hmm. um, they're at odds with each other. <laughs> Those two operations. Right, right. It, it, it's you, you got to do them in order, friends. You got to you got to <laughs> hack and leak and then wipe. You do right. not wipe and then hack and leak. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, especially without backups. So true, so true. So, I mean, we're talking about this hack and leak, but do you think it has had much impact elsewhere? Uh, so, I, I saw it was on MSN News. Yep. Like it, it had a little bit of reach. Now, here, here's the thing that I think is really interesting about this as well, is a lot of the points that they bring up, 
right? The sort of this overall, mm-hmm. here's how the aviation industry is now having to operate because of the sanctions impacting normal supply routes, et cetera, et cetera. This was published a year ago by the Russian legislature and by <laughs> <laughs> the aviation ministry, right? So in, in December of 22, the Duma passed legislation allowing for the cannibalization of foreign aircraft, which is you know where you take parts from grounded yep. aircraft to keep others still flying. So they, they approved that. And then in January, the aviation ministry put out regulations of how to take parts, recertify them, test them, and then, then put them back mm-hmm. into planes. Right. So this was public. This isn't news. Yep. Right. This is a year old. But it, that was only covered in like uh, you know the the aviation weekly stuff because right, for them right. obviously it's interesting that in Russia this is what they're now doing to keep the planes still flying, whereas no one else cared. But now the GUR can come out and say. We have secret stolen information <laughs> that reveals they are now cannibalizing aircraft to keep them flying. It's gone from a very, very boring bureaucratic procedure and you know regulation to this exciting, well, sexy. The way you described it, it's gone from legislation to numbers and dates and numbers and dates, right? Right. <laughs> Is so that it's, the? It's more quantifiable, but I think there's a sexiness. That comes right. from the hacking. Yep. That there's a sort of authenticity of this, the sort of scent of like the forbidden. Yeah. Right? Like here, here is a stolen document. This is a secret. You weren't supposed to know this. Whereas they probably don't want people to know, but they don't necessarily care that much unless it's framed. Yep. <laughs> as here's how things are collapsing. Yep. Yep. So this one, like I said, you've got a clear sort of logic behind it. Right. Now, that makes me think back to the first story I talked about, which appeared earlier, which was the bank hack where mm-hmm. information was also leaked. And I assumed or hypothesized, I guess I'd maybe mm-hmm. assumed is too strong, but right. there was some, yeah. mm-hmm. some piece of information somewhere in that leak that would be useful for some purpose. And right. it's just okay. that it's a purpose that I don't understand, right? It, it's it's the sort of thing that would enable Bellingcat maybe to, at some point, they're going to go and be like, here, we've been tracing cash flows or, you know, some, some yeah, sort of yeah. analysis. And so yeah. it seems like, you know, if you've got nothing better to do, you would say to the IT army, well, just go and hack stuff and make it available to Bellingcat or whoever, <laughs> <laughs> because we don't know how that will be useful, but it could well be. Who oh, knows? Y- yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> you're right. That that reminds me. Um, there's this great story from last year, September of last year. This group of like eight women or so got picked up at a protest. They were, they were picked up by the police and they were taken in and they were put in this holding cell together where they met each other for the first time. So they exchanged phone numbers. They set up a telegram group. They got to know each other and all this stuff. But they were taken out sort of one by one and interrogated by what they called the man in black. And so there was this one heavy who really leaned on them, who was was really giving them a rough time. And when they got out, I think they felt a bit sort of helpless and powerless because like, here's this man in black from the state who's just leaning on you. And they they didn't know who it was. They didn't know what was sort of really going on. This is most likely their first time that they've ever encountered the police in- Or interrogation, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so they turned their OSINT skills into trying to figure out who this guy was. And so they, they went to the website because he listed on the, here's our officers and yep, the, the police website or whatever. Uh, no, like there. And then, you know, they just turned to VK and like the 
the Russian Facebook and like they didn't have a name, they didn't have anything to look for, so they, they can't get anywhere there. And they're going absolutely nuts. And then one of them finds this leaked database of Yandex food orders. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this basically the 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 officers at this uh, at this police station have been using Yandex food to like order food to the office, as you do. Yep. <laughs> and that was leaked. And so they went through that and they took all of the names and then they searched VK for that. And then they found the guy's page on VK. They found the man in black. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, they used his friend's network to find his boss and his <laughs> colleagues and all this stuff. And I don't know where that specific database came from. Was it purchased and released or was it a hack and leak? But I think that sort of chaotic uh, sort of leaking everything approach that the the IT army had is the, what enables this sort of thing right, right? Yeah. and that you you would not get a spy agency tasked with the mission of leaking the yandex food orders right. database yep. you know like that's that's just a not a thing that's ever going to come up they won't think about that they might at some point want that for themselves but they will never yeah. think we need to make this public you know well, that's uh, yeah uh, yeah yeah i mean it's hard to imagine it getting to a priority where they would actually do anything about it as well. Right. Is the other so thing. It's one of those plans that get made and shelved, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so when those databases overlap and you can, I guess, pivot from one to another, they really become very powerful. So it sort of seems like a perfect task for the IT army is go and do that. Yeah. It could be, it probably will be useful for someone <laughs> eventually, yeah. but we please, don't know where and yeah. when. And Please stop deleting data. Just, you know... <laughs> Stop wiping everything. Yeah. So one of the things you mentioned to me, and I've got it up now, is an interview. Oh, with Jenna. Yeah, the Jenna yeah, McLaughlin, who's the I think she's a national security correspondent at NPR. Okay. And she talks about a cyber regiment who, and she says basically the goal is to crowdsource intelligence <laughs> about Russian spies. And so this is a Ukrainian hacktivist group. And that seems to me to be exactly what we're talking about, right? Yeah. It, it, it's sort of this this convergence of like OSINT databases and OSINT skills and people who've got time on their hands. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And want to contribute to a cause they believe in. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's sort of like that perfect convergence that you can get of thousands of people who you can't read them in on your secret military plans, but you can certainly say... <laughs> Go and find out everything you can about the enemy spies and tell me their names. Right. Yep. Right. Like that. That's the sort of task that you can give to this group, and I think this is towards an appropriate use of the IT army resource that they have available. They're finding a way of working with what they have. I have to say this is very promising because this time last year. I was looking at the IT army and all of these hacktivist groups as just all negative, but there was just no positives at all. So, but now I'm looking at it and it's like, they're making do with what they have, that they're finding a way to actually get value out of it. And I'm impressed by that. What, what I think is interesting is that I think we were pretty negative and we said the best thing you could do was kind of keep them out of the way. But <laughs> ironically, yeah. this approach, which seems to be get them focused on things that aren't important. You're not going to do anyway. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> but actually there is potential in that. So you can tell them a story yeah. that, 
you could be upfront yeah. and say, look, this isn't a priority military target, but we think there will be something there that will ultimately contribute to the broader goal. Um, Absolutely. And and it's by doing things like uh, outing Russian Russian spies, making it hard for them to conduct those kind of, you know, the scripple poisoning. Bellingcat mm-hmm. unraveled that with a whole heap of yeah, databases that have been leaked or, mm-hmm. or purchased or whatever. And it's that kind of yeah. thing that you can point to and say, that's that's the mission, I suppose. Yeah, and you know, I, I think that uh, the, the other good thing about that is that actually plays to the strengths of the IT army, where you know you, you do have just a large number of people who want to help and who will have maybe skills in reading databases and stuff more than skills in um, you know, hacking networks and remaining undetected by FSB <laughs> security <laughs> right. monitors. People who can use Excel better than they can write O-Days, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Greg. Thanks a lot, Tom.